Mindfulness Mode Special Edition. And things spiraled deeper and deeper into a black hole almost until I was at the point where I said, okay, I'll, I'll get some help. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I hope you're doing well these days. I hope you're using your mental toughness. And, you know, I've gotten some great feedback from the mental toughness package that I mentioned a couple of days ago. It is not expensive, but it does cost a bit. Check it out. It's well worth checking out mindfulnessmode.com forward slash tough. Now, a couple of days ago, I was interviewing Jack Canfield, who has the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, and he's the co-creator of that whole series. It was so great talking to Jack, but he said at the end of the interview, he said, Bruce, you just need to interview this, this guy who's a friend of mine. He's a person that works on my team. He's amazing. He lives in Ontario, Canada, and his name is Forrest. And... I thought, great, and so I connected with him and interviewed him this morning, and I got to tell you, this is the first interview in quite a while that has brought tears to my eyes. I just, I was so moved by Forrest and his story and how his story can help every one of you. It can help me. It can help all of us as we move through this pandemic. And so many of us have to rethink what we're doing, how we're spending our time. We have to rethink our place in this world, on this planet. And he talks exactly about this. You are going to, I think, truly benefit from this interview that I did with Forrest. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview. Mindful Tribe, I'm excited today because I have a gentleman with us who is a speaker and has a lot of insight how a lot of us feel these days with this pandemic going on. He's a traumatic brain injury survivor. I'm excited to share your story, uh, uh, Forrest, with my, my audience, with Mindful Tribe. Forrest, would you say you're in mindfulness mode today? I would say I'm in mindfulness mode every day. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Forrest Willett, like I said, is a sought-after speaker, and he's a survivor of two traumatic brain injuries. The first was at two years old, and the second was when he was 31. And his life was forever changed as a result of a violent car accident. And he had to relearn all of the basic necessities over again, like reading and writing and his ability to speak fluently. And his memory was a big issue. And he suffered depression for over five years. But the great news is that he overcame all of this. And he learned how to move forward. He learned how to take control and to pivot. And so it's very exciting to have you on the show today, Forrest. And we talk about mindfulness on the show all the time. And it sounds to me like you live a life of mindfulness. But what does mindfulness mean to you, Forrest? Uh, to me, I feel that it's just being present in the moment not living in the future, not living in the past, uh, just enjoying each day as it comes and being aware of what's around you. You know, when a lot of times we get distracted, the phone rings or your cell phone dings from an email 
you may be distracted by that as you're talking to your children. Yet the most important thing is the person who's in front of you at that time. And, and we lose focus on that. So I make sure that, you know, when we're having a conversation with someone, it's just with that person, not with all the other distractions that life throws at us. Well, you were 31 years old. You had seven businesses. Your life was just so successful and you had employees. And then suddenly, wham, the bottom fell out of all of this. How did you move forward? What, what were some of the ways that you were able to come out of this and, and start to succeed in life again? Uh, well, you described it well. The, you know, the bottom fell out. It's as if I was in an elevator and the bottom of the floor of the elevator fell out and I was dropping fast. I didn't know when I was going to land. Um, and in the beginning, I didn't start moving out of this. What happened was I went inside and I, I went into deep depression, uh, suffered from anxiety attacks. I was hospitalized for anxiety attacks. I felt like a lot of people feel today with this COVID-19 pandemic going on. I felt fear, anxiety, uh, and the unknown of what's going to happen. What is my future going to be like? Uh, am I going to be able to keep my home? Am I able to keep my businesses? These were all thoughts that were going through my head. So at that time, there was no mindfulness. There was no sense of calm. There was just fear and panic. And you were the father of a two-year-old son. And yes. how did that go? Did you have a partner? Did you have a wife or a partner to help with raising your two-year-old? Yes. Uh, I had my wife at the time, and uh, I still do. I've been married for, it'll be 25 years in May. Um, and we've stuck together through all of this. And uh, she was a big key in helping me get through uh, all of these uh, issues I went through. Uh, my son was two years old at the time. And what happened was uh, I missed a lot of his childhood. From the time he was two until he was seven, I spent more time with my poor me thoughts and my depression than I did with my son. Uh, so there was a, just a huge gap in his life that I missed out on. And I can't go back and, and change that. So it took you about five years. And what caused you to come to the point where you were able to turn things around after five years? Uh, what happened was I was laying in bed one day. And, uh, you know, I chuckle about it, but I was contemplating suicide. I thought, if this is the way my life's going to be, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, I thought, I, I'm done. There's nothing I can do. I can't work. You know, it was all these I can't, I can't going through my head. Uh, I've lost my income. My businesses uh, were going uh, not well at the time. Uh, people were stealing from me. And it was just, uh, I was being taken advantage of, and I wasn't doing anything about it. So what happened one morning as I was lying in bed, there was this, television show in Toronto called Breakfast Television. And they said, coming up next is Jack Canfield, the creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul, uh, star of the movie The Secret with his new book, The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. And I s remember pulling the blankets off my face and sitting up in bed. And I thought, I don't know where I want to be, but I don't want to be here right now. And after the commercial break, they brought Jack onto the TV and interviewed him. 
And he went on to say, it doesn't matter your current circumstances, your background, or what you've been through in life. If you apply these principles, you can totally transform your life. And then he went on to ask, what would you do if there were no limitations, if anything were possible? And as I was lying there, I asked myself, what would I do if there were no limitations? And I thought, not only would I learn to read and write again, I would become an author like this guy on TV. And not only would I learn to speak fluently again, I would get out and be a speaker and advocate for mental health issues and overcome these depression and anxiety that I was going through. And uh, I, I went and bought the book. And with the help of my speech therapist, it took me a year and a half to read the book. Now you have to realize it's it's really thick book. Yeah. Uh, so as I read the book, I I started to apply these principles. You know, taking a hundred percent responsibility for my life and my happiness. And within a year and a half, I was able to get off uh, all medication completely. Uh, all anxiety pills, depression pills, sleeping pills, uh, everything completely, and returned to school. And my life started just turning around in amazing ways. Uh, I then wrote a book uh, titled Baseballs Don't Bounce, uh, the three words that changed my life. And so I, as I was recovering, people were saying, well, would you share your story here and would you share it there? And I was so nervous about public speaking, let alone speaking to anyone right because i was still in speech therapy yes i thought wow I, i'm so anxious I, I can't do this and i remember the first talk i did was at the march of dimes and i was so terrified and my, my psychologist actually helped me out there and that's who introduced me to mindfulness was uh, my psychologist and i'm not embarrassed to talk about that years ago I wouldn't tell anyone I was seeing a psychologist. Right. And, and he was the last person in the world I wanted to see. And so I held it off for years because I was in denial. Do you know, just give me a few weeks, give me a few months. I'll be okay. I'll be back to normal. And things spiraled deeper and deeper into a black hole almost until I was at the point where I said, okay, I'll, I'll get some help. And I wish I would have seen a psychologist years earlier. Uh, he introduced me to meditation, uh, being mindful, being at peace with myself. And it was just so uh, calming and relaxing. And, and I really can't thank him enough for, for helping me uh, turn things around. Wow, Forrest, this is an incredible story. An incredible story that you, you got that book and that changed your life. And I was fortunate enough to interview Jack Canfield two days ago, and we talked about his new book, The Success Principles Workbook, but he spoke so highly of you. And he said, Bruce, you need to get Forrest on your show. And now I know why. So when was the first time you actually connected with Jack Canfield? I actually um, wrote him a letter, an email, to his, uh, his assistant at the time and just sharing how uh, this book has changed my life and transformed my life. And I sent a, a rough copy of my book to his office and then uh, we started communicating back and forth. And then I went out to Los Angeles with my wife and son and we met with Jack 
uh, spent a week there doing a training course that he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started uh, working with Jack, actually teaching the training course uh, called Train the Trainer. And uh, so I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, I'm on cloud nine. Here's this guy that sold over a billion dollars worth of chicken soup for the soul books, wants to work with Little Forest from tiny Ontario. It was just, uh, uh, you know, it's so unbelievable. It is. It's surreal. Yeah. So, you know, 10 years ago, I could not even spell New York Times bestseller. Now my story is featured in the New York Times bestseller, The Success Principles. Uh, 10th anniversary edition with over a million copies in print and it's, it's just uh, unbelievable what can happen when you focus on your goals and and you be mindful and and I think a big part of my recovery um, emotionally was helping others you know how can I be of service for you and I do three things every day and it's one I do one good thing for my family one good thing for myself and one good thing for a stranger without any expectation of anything in return. And what happens is those things come back to you tenfold. So, uh, you know, imagine what your life would be like a year from now if over 1,000 good things happened to you. Wow. And, and I, I can share with you my life is changing every year for the better. And it's, it doesn't cost anything. Just being kind and helping out when you can and being of service. Wow. Your story, Forrest, is just bringing tears to my eyes and just sitting here looking at you and being able to see you and hear you and tell that story is so incredibly moving because our world has changed much the way your world changed you know so many of us listening right now mindful tribe i'm sure so many of you have lost your jobs or you're wondering whether your business is ever going to survive this or you're wondering you know other thoughts about the economy and and of course maybe you have a loved one that has this virus what is the first step for us to do forest when we're facing such a huge challenge as this i would say number one is acceptance accept where you are and i could not start moving forward in my journey of recovery until i accepted what was going on i was in denial which many people are today they're in denial thinking this is going to pass in two weeks yes everything will go back to normal and it may. I hope it does. And it may not. Uh, I was in denial that, you know, just leave me alone. The depression will go away. Leave me alone and I'll be able to walk on my own without physiotherapy. I'll be able to speak fine without the help of others. And that didn't happen until I was able to accept what was happening in my life. And that was a deep talk I had with my psychologist where I said, okay, I accept that I have a brain injury. I accept that I cannot work at this time uh, and I cannot drive. You know, I just felt like a burden on everyone where other people in your audience might feel like a burden on others right now, whether if they have to borrow money to pay their mortgage payment or make a vehicle payment. If you accept where you are and then set goals to move forward from there, Uh, life will change in in big ways. And once you accept where you are, that's when you can move forward. 
if you're still in the denial stage, you, you can't move forward. You can't improve your life. Well, it does make me sad to see when I look on social media and I see so many people in denial. I see some people on the other side that are accepting what's happening and realizing, hey, our economy is changing very fast, as is the world in so many ways. But then there are a whole group of people saying, oh, this will probably be over in a week and we'll be back to work and we'll be back to normal. Well, like, like you, I say, wow, that would be great. Maybe things will happen sooner than it looks like, but I'm a realist. You know, I am an optimist, but I'm a realist and I'm looking at the real situation out there. And I do think it's so important to accept what has happened and be prepared to pivot into another area if we need to. So after you accepted what happened, tell us what the next step was, Forrest. After I accepted the situation I was in, that's when I set goals to move forward small in small incremental steps and and say, you know, what could I do other than the business I did? Uh, because I was no longer able to do the business I did, which involved counting money and dealing with people and banking and computers. And at the time, I was just learning to read books called Bernstein Bears. They're little children's books. Oh, wow, yeah. That, I was in my 30s reading a kindergarten book. Uh, with my speech therapist. So for me to say, oh, I can go and run this complex company, I was I was really in denial. Uh, I was unable to do that. So I said, what else could I do? And and I tried all kinds of different things. You know, uh, my, my occupational therapist helped me. And, you know, I started doing carpentry work and I, all kinds of different things that I wanted to try. Mm-hmm. And I did uh, those things and uh, found all kinds of things I love to do. And, and moving forward, we're all going to have to find something new. You know, if you go back to work in a few months and your company is no longer there, you may have to change occupations or direction in life if, if your occupation is no, no longer there. And... I think this, what's going on is going to humble a lot of people. And for me, what I went through really humbled me. So if you look back when I was 31 years old, had these businesses where I was making all kinds of money, living a hundred mile an hour lifestyle. I had boats and sea dews and jet skis and motorcycles. And, you know, all these things that I thought were going to bring me happiness. I no longer have any of those. Uh, it humbled me so much. I thought all the money I had in the world could not make me better from the state I was living in. I could not trade everything I've amassed to, to make me better. So it it did not, those material things did not help me in the long run. And a lot of people think that, you know, I have a cottage or I have a boat and all these toys well, you may have to get rid of them going through what we're going through right now in the economic times. And a lot of people will have to come down to earth and and be humble and accept that, you know, this is what I have to do now is get rid of these, but it doesn't have to be forever. 
you know, things will come back around eventually. But it's going to be tough for a lot of people, like you say, on social media that are saying I'm doing this or that and uh, moving on like nothing's wrong. Right, right. Well, your family stuck around and supported you, and they're still part of your life, right? Your wife and your son. And how old is your son now? My son is 20 years old, and uh, he's in college. And then he also works at Foodland stocking the grocery shelves, which he's nervous about yes. right now because of, uh, you know, everything that's going on. It's, mm-hmm. You know, and I said, whatever decision you make to, to stay there or not is up to you, and I love you either way. Wow. Wow. And so now you are part of Jack Canfield's team more or less and you teach people tell us more about that and what you do in relation to that Uh, well during the train the trainer sessions i teach people who want to become speakers and trainers teach the success principles and facilitate group workshops um, keynote speeches and it's it's amazing because i've been able to meet many many people from all over the world and make many friends and family, I call them. Mm-hmm. They, they are my family now. Um, since going out on this little journey with Jack has changed my whole life and my family's life. You know, I've spoken in nine different countries around the world. Um, you know, Dubai, India, the Philippines, London, England, all the places uh, when you're a child, you dream of going and then you think, wow, now people are paying me to go there. It's a, it's a big change. So out of something bad came something good. And you just move towards the direction that your heart pulls you. And, and it's really, it's not work for me. It's, I enjoy doing it and meeting people and sharing love with people and letting know people that they're loved. You see, I, I grew up uh, in a very violent and abusive home where there was no love. And uh, so I missed out on that as a child. I didn't know what that experience was to feel loved and wanted and accepted. And so what happened was I put this shield around me. You know, nobody's going to break my heart. Nobody's going to get in um, at all because I've been you know, hurt your whole life. So you put up this invisible shield around you, you're not going to let anyone in. And so when I was, the first time I met Jack, there was say a hundred people in this room he's doing a workshop in. And he said, I'd, I'd invite you all to get up and, and get two and a half hugs. And I thought, well, this is weird. And uh, Jack hugged me and said, I love you. And I, uh, I started crying like a baby. I thought, this is, this is so odd. Why am I crying? And, but I'd never known what it felt like to be loved in, uh, until then. And, and the, these were complete strangers. So it, for me, it was a big experience. And that's uh, called getting out of your comfort zone. You know, and people are going to have to get out of the comfort zone um, to change what's going on in the world and to be able to be mindful and enjoy your life no matter what happens and you ended up writing a book a children's book 
called 12 Hugs to Happiness. Tell us about yes. that book and, and what led you to write it. Well, the, what happened was uh, I was hired to go and speak uh, in Dubai. So uh, when we flew to Dubai, my wife and my son came with me and the airport security pulled me into the airport and uh, it was Dubai airports and Emirates airlines who I was speaking for. And it was their annual safety and security awards. They pulled me into the office and said, we know you're a hugger, but there's no hugging here. And you, you know, you don't even shake another person's hand unless they put their hand out first. And so I respect their, their religion and their rules. But I thought, wow, this is really odd. They don't know what they're missing out on. You know, I really didn't get a hug and feel real love until I was in my 40s. And now I wanted to share it with the world. And these people uh, here in Dubai, they're unfortunately not experiencing this. So it was 3 o'clock in the morning in Dubai, which was, say, 10 o'clock in Ontario. So I was wide awake, and I just grabbed a sketch pad and started writing out this story of 12 Hugs for Happiness, uh, about a story about a you know, a child that feels, doesn't feel loved and wants to feel it, but they're a little bit shy. And the story included all the people that I'd met all around the world, including Jack. And uh, it was a great experience writing the book. And, uh, and it, you know, it's great experience going to schools and sharing it with children, you know, up on the big screen. Uh, that, that's just really fun and uh, really enjoyable. Wow, that sounds fantastic. And then you wrote another book. Maybe you wrote this earlier. I'm not sure. It's called Baseballs Don't Bounce. Why did you call it Baseballs Don't Bounce? That's a good question because, you know, a lot of times wherever I'm speaking, people say, well, I'll buy that book, Baseballs Don't Bounce, because my son loves baseball. And the book has nothing to do with baseball. The, the book, uh, the, the title of the book, Baseballs Don't Bounce, those are the three words that changed my life. You see, in the success principles, the first principle is take 100% responsibility for your life. Right. And for me, I skipped past that chapter. You know, I said, it's not my fault what happened to me. The other guy was driving the car. I was a passenger. It's not my fault at all. I'm not responsible. And as I was saying that and being in denial and my life was whizzing by me, uh, it was my son's seventh birthday and his friend gave him a, a gift and uh, he opened it up and it was a, a ball and a glove and he ripped it open and he dropped the ball to the ground and he looked at it and it just rolled in the dirt and he picked it up again and threw the ball down and just went thud and rolled in the dirt and his friend shouted, baseballs don't bounce. And at that moment, my, my heart exploded and I broke down crying. I had to go in the house. I thought, wow, this, this is so true. It's baseballs don't bounce. How would my son know that? I've never thrown a ball with him. Someone else taught him how to ride a bike. Somebody else taught him how to skate. I spent more time with my depression and poor me thoughts than I did with my son. And it was at that moment that I said, enough's enough. I have to make a change and things have to change now. And that was the day I took 100% responsibility for my life and for my family's happiness. And I started changing and spending more time with my son. And, and it just it's so those three words affected me so much. Uh, 
that was my wake up call. Wow. And you had written the book and then later you republished the book with Jack Canfield doing an introduction, doing a forward, isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. And yes. yeah, now it's got a, a new subtitle. My journey from hopelessness to happiness and the three words that changed my life. Wow. And having you tell us that story is just so moving. I'm just sitting here and I am I'm so moved. I've got tears here because I don't know. It's just incredibly moving to hear you tell this. And I want to know about your meditation practice. You had talked earlier about how, I think you had mentioned that through Jack Canfield, you learned to meditate. Tell us about that and how you learned to and what meditation is like for you now. Uh, for me, each night I listen to a meditation. I have these, um, it's a eye mask that you know you see people wearing on an airplane. Right. And it has built-in uh, Bluetooth speakers in it. Uh, so I'm each night before I lay down to sleep, I listen to this meditation, mm -hmm. and uh, puts me to sleep. It's something good that, rather than listening to the news and falling asleep to the bad news, uh, it's something good and creative that that goes in your mind each night that you go to sleep. And then during the day, uh, most mornings I will also do a meditation, and. It's really changed my life, and I'm probably the calmest person you'll ever meet. You know, somebody could back into my car right now, and it would not faze me one bit. You know, where years ago I would get all excited, oh, wow, what are you doing, and what's going on? And mm -hmm. Now there's very little that would get me upset or uh, excited, you know, or frustrated. You know, I still get frustrated sometimes at things that happen, but I don't, I don't get angry. I don't get um, fly off the handle. Just uh, able to remain calm and and love myself and, just the way I am. Wow! And you attribute a lot of that to the fact that you meditate every day. Yes. Wow. Yes, I, I took a study with the uh, um, St. Michael's Hospital in York University years ago, and they had a, you know, every day a doctor would call me and do a half an hour meditation, and they did a, a MRI of the brain before and then after and showing that your brain does improve with meditation. And what happened was I realized that when I was having trouble speaking, when I was recovering, the harder I would try, the worse it would be. You know, I would be, get excited and I would say, uh, 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 and I would start stuttering mm -hmm. because I'm trying so hard to get the words out. And, and I, the more frustrated I got, the worse my speech was. But as I started to begin to meditate and relax and think about what I want to say before I say it, the words come out smoothly and I volunteer a lot with people with uh, brain injuries now, with uh, brain injury groups, and um, I'll visit families at St. Michael's Hospital, and I share that while their, you know, while their loved ones are in there with a brain injury, you know, they may have just came out of surgery, and I'll go down and visit families, 
and I share that with them to meditate and relax and just calm down. And it's, it's really changes a lot of people's lives. And I've seen so many people also that have had brain injuries and strokes that, you know, I've taught them how to meditate and now a lot of their speech has come back because a lot of times when we, you know, when you have a stroke or a brain injury, you know what you want to say, but the words don't come out. Right. Yeah, it's called aphasia. So I would be pointing at the refrigerator saying the, the, in the, the, I know it's a refrigerator. I know what I want to say, but it doesn't come from the brain to the mouth. Right. Because I'm so frustrated and excited to get this out. But once I started to meditate and then I could think about what I want to say before I say it, things now come out uh, easy. And most of the time it's what I want to say. Forrest, I'm, I'm curious during this pandemic now, I'm sure you've been thinking about things. Are you thinking of ways personally to pivot as a result of what's going on in the world? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're, I'm still volunteering. I'm still helping people. My wife and I, we're making meals for people um, who we know that either can't afford to get out and go grocery shopping or they've lost their job or they're elderly and they can't get out and get their medication. Uh, and then also, this is a big pivot, doing these podcasts. I've, I've done more this week than I have in probably the last year uh, for podcast interviews and and so on. And so there was a one talk that I had for a group in May. They had just asked if I could do it over uh, a large Zoom call right. with 94 people. Mm-hmm. And so so that for me is new and I'm going to do it and you know, we're, we'll all have to pivot. I think what's the biggest challenge for me is that I'm a big hugger. Mm-hmm. And now I can't go out and do that. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard. And my wife said, oh, I know it's killing you because everyone I meet, I, I give them a hug. You know? Yeah. It's, it's always good to say I love you and give someone a hug. And, and now you can't do that. Right. Yeah. I, I certainly share your thoughts on that. My wife is a trauma nurse, so she's with COVID patients when she goes to work. And so since mid-March, we have not had any physical contact because, of course, with this virus, we don't know whether I could have picked it up, whether she could have picked it up and be bringing it home. At any time, you don't know. You can be given uh, a negative result on a test and then you could pick it up and be spreading it around so my son is 18 and he's home from college living with us and so the three of us are living in the same house but we're separated by at least six feet all the time and we now have you know my wife and I are sleeping in separate rooms and everything and so I totally hear what you're saying that's a complete shift and so we stand six feet apart and we put our arms up in the air it was my son's idea we sort of put our arms up in the air as if we're hugging you know and then we speak with each other about gratitude and how grateful we are to still be in the same home and still be able to share and support each other so that's beautiful and, and it's important to share what you're grateful for. In all the talks that I do, I, I share that with people and I'll say, 
turn to someone beside you or behind you and share one thing you're grateful for. And just take five seconds in. And as people do that, they, I say, now have a look around the room and what do you see on people's faces? And it smiles. Right. Because when you're grateful for anything, whether it's that it's sunny outside today or uh, you're grateful for your health, it makes you feel good. And all the little things that are going on in your head, the negative things go away. Even if it's for that short little time when you're sharing something that you're grateful for, the negative goes away. So the more things you can be grateful for, it will block out these negative thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know that you can be found at your website, forestwillet.com, and it's F-O-R-R-E-S-T-W-I-L-L-E-T-T, forestwillet.com. You have your book, Baseballs Don't Bounce, and 12 Hugs to Happiness. And the book that, well, actually, I'll just leave that for you for a moment because I want to ask you five questions as we move forward in the interview. So just 30-second answers are perfect. And here we go. The first question is this. Who is one person who has been most influential at bringing mindfulness into your life? I would say Jack Canfield. I figured you'd probably say that. And number two, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Now, you already talked about that. Is there any way you could just summarize it? I would say that mindfulness has taught me to love and accept myself just the way I am, Um, which when I can do that, that's all you need in the world. You know, the three things that you need for happiness are uh, someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. And I have all those three things. Beautiful. Now, this is something we have not talked about. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. Yes, so that's a big thing. And um, the breathing lessons I've learned from my speech therapist and my occupational therapist, uh, and deep breaths, uh, you know, they fill the brain with oxygen and get the oxygen flowing in the brain and a nice deep breath. You, you'll notice that if you, if I was to picture someone standing behind a curtain over here, who's depressed and anxious, and I would say, describe their breathing to me, you would probably say <laughs> right. like short, shallow breaths you know, uh, panicking, where when you take in deep breaths and hold it for a few seconds and relax, it calms your whole body down. It lowers your heart rate and and just gives you a sense of well-being and relaxation. So nice, deep, slow breathing. Thanks for that. And if you could recommend a book somehow related to mindfulness, what book would that be? I'm thinking of uh, hundreds of books. I would say the success principles for me is is the uh, the number one book I would recommend uh, for anyone. Uh, there's also a, an old old book uh, by Dale Carnegie, and it's called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And it's probably a hundred years old. This book, 
and you may find it in a library or somewhere. Uh, but it, it's a really good book on mindfulness. We'll put those suggestions in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So check that out, Mindful Tribe. And my last question is, are there any apps which can help people to be more mindful? Maybe it's helped you or maybe you recommend them or any thoughts on that? Uh, I have one that I listen to called Headspace. Right. Um, and I'll listen to the meditations when I'm on an airplane, when I'm flying. I'll listen to uh, those meditations. All right. Forrest, also, oh, go ahead. I would suggest to uh, subscribe to Mindfulness Mode. Thank you very much, Forrest. Thank you very much for the vote of support with the podcast. I've got uh, over 515 episodes now and over 2, 2 million downloads, so I know a lot of people are listening. So, Mindful Tribe, I'm sure you've absolutely loved this interview with Forrest. It's been such an honor for me to have an opportunity to meet you and talk to you. And, uh, you know, I was thrilled when Jack Canfield connected us. And, you know, he's such a well-known author with all his Chicken Soup for the Soul books. And, and his book, The Success Principle, is that's an amazing book. And he's now got the new one, The Success Principles Workbook. So a lot of ways we can face what's happening, accept it, and move forward. And many people will do that. And the people who do that, I think, will thrive. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's what I was sharing with you earlier in the, in the talk, that the Success Principles book was the book that really uh, changed my life by taking action and doing the principles suggested in the book, and now the workbook is out. I received mine yesterday. Uh, and for anyone that's dealing with stress or anxiety right now, I would highly recommend that workbook. You have the time. Most people are home now. Mm -hmm. And you can go through those exercises, and you'll be able to see, you know, where am I not doing what I should be doing in life to move forward and get to where I want to be. Right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Forrest. And again, it's ForrestWillett.com with two R's, two L's, and two T's. So yes. <laughs> thank you so much, Forrest. Thank you, Bruce. Right. Bye now. Bye. Mindful Tribe, I mentioned at the top of the show that you can get your mental toughness training package for a, a deep discount and you can get it by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash tough and put in the coupon code Bruce to get a, a significant discount. It's well worth it. It's a very powerful package helping you figure out what uh, 40 top authors who have written books about mental toughness, how they have moved through incredible challenges in their life. So check it out. And uh, I just hope you're doing well. And just remember, stay in the mode, mindfulness mode.